so many podcasts now. Yeah, so many podcasts. <laughs> Hello and welcome to A Couple of Goons. We're back, just in time, for a Stanley Cup playoff. It's going to be great. Joining me as always is a, is a man who has doubled the number of podcasts that he maintains since the last time that we spoke, uh, Neil Payne. <laughs> hey, well, How you doing, buddy? <laughs> I'm doing great. You are, you're executive producing uh, twice as many podcasts as well. Yeah, I am. Um, executive producing. Um, here's here's a real little secret for you. Like, I know that there's like a whole writer strike on, and everybody's just like, "Oh, the executives, they like, they don't do anything." Here's the thing: they don't do anything. Executive producing is easy. It's great. Everyone should do it sometime. <laughs> Gee, and I thought I thought podcasting was easy. Is it true that maybe it just turns out that all of this is easy? I think that it's just you know you just slap a recorder down and then you start talking into it for a little bit. Maybe you spend about you know one hundred and thirty dollars on Fiverr making various different stingers for different segments. But that's that's neither here nor there. That's that's a that's a tax write off, baby. I don't know what you're talking about. But yeah, honestly, we were going to talk about all this stuff anyway, whether it's uh, this podcast or the podcast you're alluding to, which is called Pod Racing, which is a, a NASCAR podcast that you are producing and features uh, me and our friend Tyler Laletta on the mic uh, to talk about NASCAR. And as we learned, you know, you might not think that there's a lot of uh, similarity between hockey and NASCAR, and that that Venn diagram, those two circles don't really touch each yeah. other that much. But I think we're finding out that whether it's, you know, the body checking that goes on between humans on an ice surface or the body checking between cars on an asphalt surface, they're very similar sports. You came on like, yeah, like you've been kind of alluding to like, oh, I'm getting into NASCAR now. I kind of want to talk about NASCAR. I want to do that. And like, I was like, I don't know if I can get into another sport, baby. But like I had you on Numlock Sunday one time just to talk about like all the, the goss that's going on around NASCAR. Because it was like intriguing to me as a sport that was having like ownership versus management versus all that kind of stuff, things going on. And there was a moment where you were basically like describing what, what makes it appealing to you as compared to things like F1. And I was like, it's just fucking hockey. It's just hockey with wheels. <laughs> God damn it. You've done it. Uh, I've done it. Mad genius. I found it. Yes. Now, uh, we do have to say that this this is a hockey podcast, so we're going to we're going to talk about hockey uh, exclusively from probably now on. Uh, but you can catch that other podcast uh, in the various other places that you listen to podcasts. But yes. we've got big stuff going on with hockey in this. Um, what were we called? A semi annual podcast. I think we're continuing that semi annual yeah. uh, cadence. Of, we, drop uh, when, we drop in when we want to. Yeah, it's fun. Uh, and we, we, and we want to right now because the finals are upon us. And it is not really the finals that we talked about going no. into the playoffs at it's all. It's the opposite. Again, like, I think it is kind of the I, opposite. It is literally the opposite when it comes like, to like, we, the, thought, we thought it was the Boston Bruins versus. Yeah, exactly. It was the opposite team as Boston from the first round, and that's the Florida Panthers going against the Vegas Golden Knights, a team that I guess we were kind of like lukewarm on, and one of these two teams is going to be champion. And I kind of love this. This is more like the hockey playoffs of what we're sort of, you know, what we were going to be accustomed to. I don't know if we've had a weird playoff in the time that we've been doing this show so far, but uh, this is a weird playoff, and that's kind of the norm for hockey. 
I loved it because I knew it from the very moment that you published an article called The Boston Bruins Are Cursed Maybe back in April that I was like, no, they're, they're maybe. fucked. They're immediately doomed because they touched the president's trophy and now they're dead. Uh, and so did I, they this actually is exactly touch how it? I drew it. I don't actually think they did. is I, there <laughs> is there a physical president's trophy? I mean, I guess it. There's like I've seen pictures of it. I don't think I've ever seen anyone like accepting it or holding it because it is so shunned. As we talked about in our trophy roundup episode with uh, my old five thirty eight colleague Emily Scherer, like two year, three years ago, whenever that was, uh, that this cur- uh, this trophy is absolutely despised and loathed. So I don't know if it physically exists. Is it possible that they'd like mail it out? to some like you know low-ranking uh person in the mailroom of each franchise like the bruins some like super low-ranking bruins uh you know person got this in the mail and they're just like ah oh, screw this thing and they threw it in the trash immediately whoever, whoever like the cousin greg of the bruins is <laughs> like yeah just like we're we're dumping all of our like unwanted crap on this person yeah uh, but yeah so so it wasn't how we drew it up it wasn't how anyone drew it up. Um, I've really enjoyed watching these playoffs. I, I think I, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves here, but I think I'm back in Florida. Oh, you're back in Florida. I think I like them. I think that I like I, I can't you can't root against Cinderella, baby. Like what? Well, that would make me an ugly <laughs> stepsister. I can't do that. That's, that's wrong. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, there's there's reasons to back Florida and there's reasons to not back Florida. And uh, we can get into both of those if you just want to want to pop right into it. But uh, I think prob- uh, probably actually before we get to that, let's talk about like your impressions of the postseason so far. Like, what have you liked? Yeah. What have you not liked? And what has been sort of just the biggest like WTF moment or moments so far? Yeah. Totally. Um, I have an answer for all of those things I didn't like. <laughs> Rangers losing, not fun. I I was very cocky going into that. I think that we could have beat the Devils, and then unfortunately we did not. And I have been very sad since. Uh, so that was that was a, that was why a downside we haven't for me. podcasted actually since then. Yeah. I think no, we've podcasted since then. We have one in between. Um, oh, did we? we yeah, we, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we just kind of combined that like middle chunk of the playoffs into one podcast. Um, I would say. Uh, I think the the great the best moment uh, as is the same as my OMG moment, which was the like quadruple overtime game that the um, that uh, Carolina played against these Panthers, I believe. So uh, that was a that was a really 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 fun time. Exhausting game, which I think was the. I mean, it's on the short list. It wasn't the longest game um, yeah. in history because there's been some like just truly absurd ones. But I mean, this was up there. It was in like the top five longest games of all time, uh, what or happened, whatever. I, and look, here's the thing: I didn't watch the whole game. What happened was I watched the first period, and then I went out and got drunk. And then I came home and the fucking game was still on. And I think it was just in like the second overtime at that point. You're like so this like, game a, should not be happening. Still. I had an entire like middle chunk of it. And then by the point, by that point it was like our friend of the podcast, Wade Minter was obviously manning the mic inside the room and was just genuinely apologizing to the crowd for, we're going to fourth overtime. Sorry. Like it was just like, a very... we're not joking. He literally like, there is a clip on Twitter where you can hear him say, I am so, so sorry that this game that you have to continue to stick around with us through this game. We promise it'll be over soon and then uh of course it, it was over i think pretty soon after that uh, it probably i think it took like another almost a whole other period but then uh was it matthew kachuk that scored the the game winner i mean he scored the game winner in like pretty much every game i felt like in that series 
At that point, I will say the protagonists of hockey for me were the Carolina Hurricanes. And so I wasn't yes. paying so much attention to which of the bad guys um, got the point. Um, it was Matthew Kachuk, uh, by the yeah. way. I, I looked it up. But um, I would say, you know, I mean, and it's just been kind of fun. I've been enjoying doing the Highlander style of, of rooting in the playoffs, where it's just like, if you beat the team I like, then I'm like, I like you. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Is that uh, is that how you've been kind of organizing things? So like you rooted for. No, that's not true, though. It, it had to be the team that was facing the team that beat yeah. your team. Right. Because yes. it was like the Devils beat the Rangers. But yes. true Highlander style, which would be very mercenary. And uh, very, uh, you know, betraying your team. But I could kind of see like, hey, what if you were a mercenary fan? But you'd be like, I'm now rooting for this team. It's like I love, yeah. my team got beat by the Devils. I'm now rooting for the Devils. But really made more sense to do it the other way, which is like this team is my mortal enemy even more yeah. now. And so I'm all in on the team that's facing them. <laughs> and so then does that mean you are you were all in on Florida to beat Carolina because they – no, wait – no, you were pro Carolina, so you're anti Florida. Well, but see, I also have no principles, and I think it's very interesting. I think it's way fun. Like I don't know. I like like scruples I said, free rooting. Yeah, can't root against. Uh, you can't root against Cinderella. You just can't. I, that, that's, it's in the rules. I don't know what to tell you. Um, yeah, but yeah, I, I also think you know. I've also watched a lot of the Panthers this tournament, um, just by virtue of the fact that they have been facing teams that I was interested in, and um, as a result, uh, yeah, they're they're a cool team. They 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 you know they're fun. They're they're. Uh, they're 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 a compelling watch and you know they've also been in the conversation for the past couple of years but never really turned into anything and now that they've turned into something it's like oh yeah years of prologue of, of neil telling me that the panthers are fun to watch uh is well big, that's what's so, so yeah. weird about this team and and why it's sort of like um depending on your time horizon that you look at it's like they are just the ultimate underdog <laughs> or it kind of follows and makes sense that they would have this run like if you had said yeah. last year after the year so like basically after the regular season before the playoffs started or even after they they won the first round of the playoffs um against the capitals i want to say after that round if you had said okay they're going to go to the finals but like next year i would yeah. have been like okay that totally checks out what you would have missed in between though is like humiliation by the lightning trade away like half their roster or whatever, certainly trade away, you know, uh, two of their best players, get Matthew Kachuk back and like totally re change the, you know, identity of the team struggle during the regular season and then go on the run in the playoffs. So it's sort of like, does it make sense? Does it not make sense? Uh, hockey is really weird. How much of this is just sort of them uh, finding their stride because they had a new coach as well. And in fact, two new coaches, because remember they fired their original coach going into uh, last season because of his involvement in the Chicago Blackhawks sexual abuse scandal, which is like its own thing. But then they fired the interim coach who had uh, Andrew Brunette, who had been the coach through the whole like president's trophy winning uh regular season last year because uh they felt like you know they needed a new identity paul maurice was available and they were trying to kind of build this new type of team and then they did build that new type of team and i guess we have to consider it a success like i was critical of it at the time and i felt they had gotten fleeced in that trade that they made and maybe this is results oriented thinking not process oriented thinking but at the end of the day here they are. It worked. They're in the Stanley Cup final. And Matthew Kachuk has been worth every 
penny, dime, nickel, <laughs> loony, whatever you want to call it, that they paid for him, uh, you know, and traded for him going into the season in the sense that MVP candidate, one of the best players in the league during the regular season. And then during the playoffs, he's been in another level. Like I mentioned, he had three game-winning goals in four games. So uh, three quarters of the games in that series against Carolina, that sweep, he basically personally ended and and was responsible for for winning that game uh, or, or recording the uh, the killing blow at least and he's got 21 points, 9 goals in 16 games and uh I think you have to call him uh, if we don't include goalies the MVP of the playoffs so far uh if we do include goalies we can get into the whole Sergei Bobrovsky thing which also makes no sense or maybe does make sense depending on <laughs> how you approach it Bobrovsky. Oh, that's a name that I knew Bobrovsky. before I even like exactly the J. Andre Dan O'Toole shit. Like that was my first like, wow, this guy's fun to watch. I would I would watch recaps of, of hockey all the time. Uh, who would who would have guessed that that Canadian sportscasters? Wow, uh, would, would be the, the the earliest prologue to this series. Um, but yeah, you, you've also you know you had a very excellent post at the Neil Payne Substack, um, neilpayne.substack.com, uh, that. You looked at basically the upsets and like basically how Florida's really, really, really good at this it, it, among the best in the history of, of the playoffs. And I thought that was a really interesting statistic uh, and the kind of even like, I, I mean, you and I have talked a lot about like sports rankings and sports statistics over the course of our friendship, just because when I was doing a lot of the pop culture stuff, I attempted to like, you know, loot the pockets of sports analytics to do so. And so I know that you and I both have like a fun appreciation for like the kind of ways that you can kind of tease out different stats and above average and probability added and things like that. And um, this one I just loved. So I, I would love to kind of like hear you explain like your thinking behind it a little bit, because I thought it was a cool statistic that I would not have thought you could coax out of a, uh, out of a thing, you know? Yeah. So uh, what I was doing a couple days ago was I was looking at like how likely uh, the, the matchup itself was because it was, not the one that we were expecting, as we said at the top of the show. And so I calculated a logistic regression, which for all the people out there listening, this is just a way to calculate essentially like an expected probability of an event happening based on a bunch of different factors. You throw them into uh, a formula and uh, if they're good predictors, you keep them and, you know, kind of uh, create this model that tries to predict the odds of, uh, of a particular event based on some kind of input. And so I was messing around with things like that for playoff series, whether or not it's like making the finals. Uh, so for instance, this particular matchup was one of the least likely matchups in uh, modern history in terms of having both of these teams uh, on this collision course. And then I was also looking at it for this idea of like, are the, are the Panthers going to be affected by this super long layoff? Because we should say, Game one of the finals is on Saturday and the Panthers yeah. finished their series like almost two weeks earlier, which is kind of crazy. They've just been because they swept and because it took uh, a little bit longer for Vegas to finish off Dallas. And then also because of, I assume, TV consideration, scheduling considerations, whatever you want to call it, because there is the whole like NBA finals happening at the same time. And both are on ABC that uh, they had to put game one of the Stanley Cup on Saturday. So I was like, 
well, let's check and see whether or not teams that had really long layoffs in the past underperformed. And the way I did that was I created this regression model that looked at the odds of winning a series based on the strength of the two teams involved and then broke it out by the number of days of rest to see if they underperformed. And the short answer there is they did tend to somewhat underperform. Is it statistically significant? Not really. So make of that what you will. But that framework of the sort of like, okay, you got two teams in a series. Uh, tell me who's at home. Tell me how good the teams are based on the regular season um, ratings uh, and give me a probability of winning the series. I was like, we can repurpose this as well to just look at like the Panthers overall postseason and all of the different upsets that they've pulled and how unlikely those were. And so I came up with the stat you were talking about the ranking uh, called series probability added, which is just essentially like in any series that you win, how much above your expected probability of winning that series were you? And we can add that up across all of your different series. And so if you do that for the Panthers in this postseason, going back to and all of the other finalists since 1987, which was the first year that they had best of seven series for like all the series uh, in the playoffs, then you find that only one run, and we actually podcasted during this run, was more unlikely if you add up all the different quality of the upsets based on how improbable they were than these Panthers on route. This is what you're talking about. And this run was the 2021 Canadians. I don't know if you remember. I remember that shit. I love that one. (laughs) Yeah, that was great. What, what a bizarre run that was. What was that? That was great. (laughs) Yeah. This was a team that, uh, well, we talked about it at the time, uh, but didn't they need to win the cup to just finish 500 in terms of yeah. wins versus losses? No, that's why I, I, opened the pod- I opened the podcast in French one day, a language I do not speak. Um, like, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I was. I love that run. That was a really fun run. I enjoyed that a lot. They went down in what? The, the, the They didn't make it to the finals, no? They, they went no, down they did the make it to the finals. They did. That right, was what yes. was bizarre about it. They beat the Leafs in seven, which, which was we probably had some pretty good laughs so good. at the Leafs' expense because was- I think the Leafs blew a 3-2 lead in that series and then they lost also each of those games like in just sort of meltdown fashion, which, of course, on brand for the Leafs. Don't get me wrong. Then they swept the Winnipeg Jets in the second round, which I did another post. I'm doing a lot of posts on hockey, but another one of the <laughs> weirdest sweeps of all time. That was one of the weirder sweeps in history, right up there with uh, the one that the Panthers just laid on the Carolina Panther. Uh, I mean, on the Carolina Panthers, Carolina Hurricanes. Carolina Panthers are a football team. Uh, the Carolina Hurricanes <laughs> getting swept there. That was a weird sweep, and then they beat the Vegas Golden Knights in uh, of all teams in a very surprising upset because we thought Vegas definitely on a collision course with like the lightning or someone like that in the um in the stanley cup final that year and only when they got to the final did those canadians finally turn into a pumpkin and they lost and the cinderella run was over but that was a fun team uh and and just a like you said it was a very fun run carrie price you know, kind of backstopped it very similar fashion to what Bobrovsky is doing for Florida. And so 
you look at those, there's another, there's a few other ones in there that are in the conversation. The 91 Minnesota North stars went to the final, ended up losing to the penguins, the 93 Kings with Gretzky. That's an interesting one. Cause Gretzky missed most of the regular season with like a back injury or something like that. So maybe in that case, their regular season quality was not necessarily representative of how they would be in the playoffs. Um, but they ended up, rattling off a number of series wins and then they won game one of that finals and people were like all in on like hey kings you know socal hockey gretzky (laughs) this is like you know uh, bring out a lot of celebrities were like you know into it at that time and then the canadians ended up winning four straight i believe and uh winning that series in five and the series hinged on marty mcsorley having a overly curved stick which I guess he broke a stick in game one and the Canadians sneakily grabbed like the fragment of the stick and they looked at it and they were like, something's off about this. And their equipment staff looked at it and measured and found that he had too, uh, too sharp of a curve or, you know, too much of a curve in his blade. So they selectively waited until they were like trailing and needed a power play late in game two. And they, they said to the ref, Hey, we're challenging Marty McSorley's stick curve. I want you to measure it. And it's a huge gamble because if he had like, if it had just uh, happened to be that like one of his sticks was overly curved, but not all of them were, they would have uh, had a penalty against them. And they probably would have lost that game, gone down two nothing and probably lost the series, but they were banking on all of his sticks, having that curve. They looked at it, found that it had the illegal curve, got a power play, scored on that power play to tie the game, force overtime. And then they won an overtime. And then they won three more in a row after that. It's kind of a cool story for the 93 Kings. Insane that this is a sport that will allow you to fight people in the middle of the game for just for whatever reason might strike your fancy, but like you can't have a, a an obliquely curved stick. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Now that is safety, though. I mean, that does go back. I think it probably goes back to the days in which um, goalies didn't wear masks, which is the whole oh. thing. Uh, but the they found pretty quickly after I think it was Stan Makita of the Chicago Blackhawks in the sixties or maybe late fifties found that like, if you put a curve on a blade, it can make the puck go a lot faster because you're sort of collecting it and whipping it. And then also it's very unpredictable and it rises on the goalie. And so when you had goalies who literally were standing in front of this piece of rubber without a mask on, you maybe want to rein in the, the random, you know, unpredictability yeah. of this even, uh, piece of rubber, fan, even fan safety, probably that would apply as well. Yeah, um, I think that's right. Yeah. So they outlawed that, but it is funny that the, that the, the, the fighting is, uh, is okay, but God forbid you have an extra inch of curve on your stick. So, but my point yeah. is, is that most of the other teams, you also had the 03 Mighty Ducks. That's another one where Jean-Sebastien Giguer was their goalie and he led them to game seven of the finals. He ended up winning the playoff MVP, I want to say, uh, in a losing effort, which is kind of interesting. Uh, that may have been the last time that that happened. Yeah, he won the Conn Smythe Trophy as MVP, despite the fact that his team did not win the cup. Um, Bobrovsky is sort of in the mold of that. Uh, but overall, most of the teams on the list of like, hey, this these teams added a lot of upset probability in the lead up to the Stanley Cup final. 
they did not end up winning the final, which to me is a big red flag against the Florida sure. Panthers because in the history of hockey, most of the time when you have one of these runs, eventually the magic wears off and eventually you go down in the final uh, against a better team. And I think it's fair to say that Vegas is a better team if we just look at their overall body of work. They also have a better goal differential during the playoffs, better on offense, better on defense, better expected goals. There are reasons why Vegas should be favored in this beyond just the fact that the people setting who's the favorites reside in Vegas. That's very true. I was going to say they have a little home field advantage when it comes to those degenerates. Uh, but yes. I, let's okay. Let's hear the case for 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 Vegas. Like, because you wrote a lot about this. You, like, obviously, do you want to talk about goalies first and then get to the rest yeah. of the overall package? Because I think that the goalie of it all, you have been kind of beating this drum for years now. Um, that you know your your playoff goalie will fundamentally define your playoff arc. And um, I guess I think that like. You've mentioned that Bobrovsky, obviously, for Florida is like really, really substantial. But like, you know, Vegas is no slouch. What's the goalie situation? Yeah, you're you're really only as as good as your hot goalie in the playoffs. And Bobrovsky has been the best goalie of the playoffs so far. If you look at a metric like goals saved above average, he's leading the the playoff pack in that regard, which is not surprising because like most of the time, the team the teams that make the finals, they're going to have goalies with some exceptions, but they're going to have goalies that you know or lead the league or are close to it in this stat. Um, as far as Vegas though, what I think is interesting is that Aiden Hill, you know, and I had questions about Vegas's goaltending going into the previous round because they're down to like their third string goal. You know, Aiden Hill was, I guess, technically their backup during the regular season behind Logan Thompson, but he did not start off the playoffs for them in terms of being their, you know, go-to goalie. And they've used multiple goalies during the regular season. They used five different goalies, which has to be up there in terms of the number of total goalies. And they all started games. It wasn't like, you know, somebody brought, was brought in in like garbage time. Uh, they all started at least two games. I have a, I have to have a feeling that that is some of the most number of different goalies to start at least two games for a team that ended up going to the Stanley cup final, uh, eventually, but then also in the playoffs, uh, Laurent Brassois, uh, the, uh, French Canadian, uh, goalie, uh, who got injured. He was their starter at the beginning of the playoffs for them. And he still has only started one fewer game in the playoffs in total than Aiden Hill has. Now he didn't play all that well. And Aiden Hill might have surpassed him anyway if he um, uh, if Brassois did not get injured. But uh, at the same time, you're sort of sitting there and you're not really expecting a team that's down to, you know, a backup or a third, technically probably a third string goalie to have possibly an edge on uh, in net over the team that has the best goalie of the playoffs. But Aiden Hill's save percentage in the playoffs so far is actually higher than Bobrovsky's is. He just hasn't played as much, so he hasn't accrued uh, as many of the goals saved uh, in that stat. But, you know, you could make the case that Aiden Hill actually has, and I wrote about this in the piece, that he has probably a 
better tra- recent track record if you just look at the regular season than Bobrovsky. Because during the regular season, Bobrovsky was a below-average goalie. He was technically the third-best goalie on his own team by goals saved above average. Uh, and Aiden Hill was sort of like a co-best goalie with Logan Thompson. Like He didn't start quite as many games, but he started 25 games. Logan Thompson started 36, and they had exactly the same save percentage uh, during the regular season. So to me, Aiden Hill, you probably could say he's less likely to regress to the mean during this uh, series than uh, Bobrovsky is, and that's especially true if you consider the level of competition that each one of the two goalies is facing because during the playoffs – oh, go ahead. Yeah, I was wondering about that because, uh, like, I, I, you know, I've been following these teams somewhat casually, but, like, I haven't, like, looked at the playoffs from their perspective once. What, like, did one of them have a slightly easier journey to get here? Is, is you know, did one of them have a considerably harder one? I know that obviously Florida kind of had a, a very low seed uh, and had to go against some, some, some very top notch teams. But at the same time, uh, I, you know, my understanding as well that you kind of talked to us a little bit about is that just the, the West is a little bit more. Uh, competitive at times too. So, so, so who had kind of the harder go? Yeah. Well, up to this point, I think it's uh, the, the Panthers have the hardest path to get to the uh, final and they've played the hardest schedule over the whole season. So they're more battle tested in that regard. I came across a Reddit post in r slash hockey that said uh, the Panthers will be the first team in NHL history to face four of the league's five highest seeded teams from the regular season in a single playoff. So they've they've run this gauntlet of teams (laughs) uh, over the course of the playoffs. Now, one of those teams is the Maple Leafs. So maybe you'd like downgrade that. Uh, But the uh, (laughs) I'm I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Leafs were a strong team on paper. Carolina was strong team on paper. Boston just came off literally the best regular season in the history of the NHL. And Vegas is no slouch. So in terms of who they've sort of gone up against overall, the Panthers definitely have like a super difficult uh, path to the final. But you can't discount uh, Vegas in terms of Winnipeg. You know, they were like a pretty easy to see as like a weak playoff team. But Mm -hmm. Edmonton and Dallas were two teams that I think we talked up going into the playoffs. I I had been on that Dallas. uh, You were on the Dallas bus constantly. For a while. Yeah. Yeah. And Edmonton to a certain extent too. I thought yeah. this was if, I like if too, McDavid, yeah. yeah, if McDavid was going to win uh, a Stanley Cup, I felt like this was like his best chance uh, with Edmonton. They didn't get it done, but that speaks to how good Vegas has been in sort of uh, outlasting these guys. And like I said, they have a really good goal differential during the the playoffs overall. Uh, maybe they played slightly more easy schedule than Florida did, but I don't think it, the difference is that much when you look at the fact that Vegas has uh, they've allowed uh, they've scored sixty two goals in seventeen games and they've allowed forty five goals. So that's a difference of plus one goal per game, whereas Florida. Florida, they've scored 50 they've allowed 43 that's plus seven in 16 games so that's actually a little bit less than a half a goal uh positive margin per game and and most of that is coming on defense which i also find is interesting like they're playing a low scoring style and that's what i was trying to kind of get into with um if you think about who each of the goalies is facing vegas is facing a team that they're 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 really only scoring at the league average rate during the playoffs. And if you look at who's doing the scoring for them, Kachuk has, has been amazing. Uh, like I said, 21 points and nine goals in 16 games, Carter Verhage, 
15 points in 16 games. Barkov has picked it up. He's got 14 points in 16 games. But they only have two other players who are scoring in double digits. And overall, it just hasn't been this sort of ensemble. It's been Kachuk, like I said, with the game-winning goals, literally carrying this team in, in a lot of cases and putting the goals on the board for them. You compare that with a team like Vegas, and they have a ton of players that are in double figures, seven different players, double figures in points. Um, they have also uh, six different players have at least six goals for them in the playoffs. William Carlson, who, you know, has been like one of just their depth players or sort of a good but not great player for them. He has 10 goals in 17 games. He uh, uh, he and Marcia, so Jonathan Marcia, so scored a ton during that previous series against Dallas. So they've had these guys kind of come out of the woodwork and step up as heroes for them. I had this note in the piece that I wrote that a different four different players have either led or co-led the team in scoring during the first three rounds of the playoffs. So that just tells you that they have so many more weapons. I think that could possibly hurt you than Florida does. Who's like really relying on Kachuk and maybe a few other guys to like carry most of the offensive burden for them. So I think that's going to make it tougher for Bobrovsky to be able to stop them. than you know, Aiden Hill just having to worry about maybe like one line most of the time uh, to, to potentially do the damage. So that's my case of like another one of the reasons on top of just the top line stats that are like, Hey, Vegas had the better record. Vegas had the better goal differential, etc. is I think they can match them on goaltending and they just are way deeper. Yeah. I mean, like, listen, I can check it however you can, but like, you know, never say that one Florida man can't throw a bunch of chaos on the national stage. Indeed, it's the only <laughs> thing that has ever had. <laughs> like, I don't know. That is true. He is a Florida man. Yeah, a man of Florida. Um, I mean, yeah, it's been a, like I guess. Um, is there any kind of other elements in this? I know that. So again, the, there's a whole post over at Neil Substack, which is neilpain.substack.com. Um, and uh, which we're not plugging it, aggressively at all. No, definitely not. Uh, <laughs> um, but uh, it's a it's a good blog, and I guess is there anything else in there that you kind of wanted to touch on, or anything that like you were thinking about putting in there that you missed on that that kind of is is something to watch out for during the series. Yeah, I think the big thing that maybe can turn the tables for Florida is uh, something that they've used throughout the whole playoffs, which is this idea of the counterattack and the sort of rope dope <laughs> type of style where if you just look at the possession stats and sort of the quality of possession, Florida is getting sort of not killed, but they're, they're getting out possessed of the puck. They're um, not generating as many chances per 60 minutes, especially at five on five uh, and really just, not necessarily controlling the flow of play, but the way that this team is set up in terms of scoring goals off the rush, they they seem to always sort of strike early. That was um, one of the big things in that series against Carolina as well, was that it just felt like they were up in most of those games within like a minute uh, or, or something like that. You know, they, they just struck so quickly uh, and always sort of put the the other team on on its heels in a lot of cases and so i think they uh that's going to be a uh a key element for them is kind of getting out to that lead early and then 
making sure they can kind of counterattack off of Vegas because Vegas is better at the possession game and uh, they're probably going to have the puck more. And so sometimes you can use that to your advantage, though, if you're a team that doesn't have the puck as much, is you can pick your spot, wait for that key opportunity to kind of counterattack and score on the rush. And so I think that's going to be something that Vegas has to be cognizant of where it's like, okay, we're winning the possession battle, but is that what they want? Is, is, is that, you know, did they, did they have us where they want us, even though it looks like we're, you know, putting the pressure on them. But other than that, like, I think it's going to take Bobrovsky being a hero again, which we have seen, you know, I think as the playoffs have progressed, I don't know if he's just like healthier than he was during the regular season or just what has gotten into him, but he has sort of ratcheted up like increasingly more absurd sort of saves. Like he made some saves uh, in the last series where guys just had empty nets. It felt like, and, and he was able to sprawl over there and stop it. Um, And then sometimes he got in their head so much that they missed the net because they were like, do I really have an open net? Is he going to swoop over and stop it? So he could get in their heads and, and cause them to sort of second guess themselves. I mean, it sounds silly that you would think that a professional hockey player who's been playing this game their whole life uh, and is like elite and, you know, has, has to have a certain sense of swagger to even think about playing this game for a living and surviving and thriving this far in the playoffs yet. I think it's a real thing. I think that you can get taken out of your game and, and uh, that slight hesitation can be caused by a lack of confidence because someone did something so amazing to you the last time that you were in that spot. So I, I think it's going to take a little bit of that. It's going to take Kachuk again, imposing his will on the, on the games and sort of being this game breaker in close games. If it goes into overtime, if it's late and, and the score is tied uh, being the difference maker and uh, yeah, they're going to have to find a way to score on Aiden Hill, which is not something that people probably thought would be like a key component of a Stanley Cup final uh, mm-hmm. scouting report going into the playoffs. Yep, it's 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 not like how anyone drew up. I think that you can say that pretty comfortably. <laughs> like, <laughs> so you're um, rooting for Florida in this. I'm one. rooting for Florida again. Like yeah. I'm like I, at this point, like you know, I. I I know what my head is good at and I know what my heart is good at. And I know that my head is just going to follow whatever Neil says. So in my head, I think that there's a 57% chance that the fucking biggest golden Knights win this. Um, but like, I don't know. I think it's nice when cool things happen. And even though if those cool things happen to people from, from, from Florida. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, I do think that the underdog story of Florida, I think either way, like, we we sort of see Vegas as this powerhouse because they're making their second cup final appearance in uh, six seasons. But like this team didn't exist 10 years ago. Like yeah. it's it's actually pretty remarkable and amazing that they've been able to kind of be this fixture as a as a powerhouse. And we know why we've gone into the reasons why that happened. But it is a testament to how they built the team. And then they went out and they rebuilt it like Jack Eichel, leading scorer on the team in the in the playoffs uh, so far is uh, he wasn't on the team a couple of years ago. They went out and they got him and they sort of bought low after his relationship had soured with Buffalo. But this guy was an MVP candidate with the Sabres uh, uh, just a handful of years ago. They were able to go out, get him. In fact, I mean, he's so good that it wasn't 
that serious of a debate, but there was a he was in the McDavid draft here and there was some debate as to whether or not you should take Eichel over McDavid, as crazy as that sounds. So like that's how good Jack Eichel is. And they were able to really get him kind of for pennies on the dollar. Uh and and he has delivered for them. So there's underdog stories elsewhere in it, but I do think the big one is Florida because again, they had not won a playoff series in uh, 20 plus, almost 25 years, I want to say, uh, between 96 when they went to the final and got swept by Colorado. And then like last year, they had not won a playoff series in that whole period of time. And uh, they are just not a, his- a team with a history of success. Vegas has more success in their history, which is much shorter than... Florida does as a franchise. So it makes it very easy to root for Florida to kind of have this um, underdog run. And it makes it also super confusing for us analytics types because we're like, they weren't supposed to have this. They were supposed to have this run last year when they had the track record and the sample of actually being good. They weren't supposed to have this run this year when they were mostly mediocre during the regular season. So it's a reminder that like hockey's confusing sometimes. Yep. It's a it's a fascinating and confusing sport uh, for and we love it. And confusing people, yeah, no, definitely. Um, yeah, man. Anything else that you want to kind of hit today? I think they've really kind of talked the expectations game, kind of the the experience of both of these teams so far. Um, I mean, obviously, this was like I, I could ask like what was surprising for you about the playoffs, but I think that it was a fucking surprise left and right, like every time. <laughs> like um, I was surprised that that uh, that Florida swept Carolina. I think that was the big um, big one to me. Like some of the ones that Florida won were not uh, terribly out of left field. Like Toronto, maybe you would have said, okay, they would beat them in like seven games like they did to the Bruins. And I'd be lying if I said, oh, I thought they'd be the Bruins. But like, you know, anything can happen in a hockey series. So seeing almost like with the president's trophy curse and all that baggage and all that stuff, you're like the hockey gods could make (laughs) Florida beat Boston and put put the Boston fans in in their place uh, after this kind of cocky, uh, you know, wildly successful regular season. You could see that happening and you could see Toronto losing to anyone at any time. So that one was another one where it's like, am I surprised? Sort of, but like not that surprised. But I was really stunned to see Florida sweep Carolina. That was the big surprise because we talked up Carolina through the the season and the past couple seasons. And we uh, they were a team that was sort of on our short list of like, hey, this team can can win the cup. So to see them come out, not just lose, but get swept. I think that was the big surprise. And that made me more of a believer in Florida where it's like, okay, this is serious now. Something something serious is going on with them. Yeah, I, I think that it's also like you do kind of need to have a statement win if you're going to kind of come in as an underdog. You don't want it to be like, oh, they got, just got lucky. Like a 4-0 is a very it's – it's a statement that like, oh, no, this team was pot- potentially like misunderstood coming into it and, and this should significantly revise upward the thing. That was also the moment that I decided that this is not – hockey this is an anime that i am watching and the protagonist <laughs> of the florida panthers like yeah yeah matthew kachuk is like a anime uh hero material i think yeah um well i mean that, and this that is the tournament arc the tur- yeah. you you have to have 
a few things in an anime. You have to have a beach episode, and I think Florida yep. has that covered just Florida's by natural where they are. <laughs> yeah, uh, and you have to have a school festival episode. I don't know if that maybe the All Star Game because they did host the All Star Game, so that's your school that, festival. That's, that's a school episode. festival, yeah. And then you have to have your tournament arc and they've got their tournament arc right now. So they are really the perfect anime protagonist team. And I can get behind that. Season four of Haikyuu happening right now in front of us. That's what I'm seeing, man. That's what I'm seeing. Like we um, need a good hockey anime, by the way. Why isn't there one? We've had Yuri on Ice. Like there's been sort of like sort of adjacent uh, skating. There's multiple Western comics about hockey uh several of them yes various different manners of gay which makes it very appealing <laughs> to me but um uh but i think we know uh, i mean hockey is the most like if you've ever searched for hockey books on anime uh, on amazon you will find just nothing but romance novels it's mm-hmm. like uh mostly like 99 percent romance and like one percent gretzky biographies <laughs> And both contain oh. shirtless men on the covers, which is interesting to me because, like, you know, Wayne not known for his physique, but I think, you know, you got to give the people what you want. I mean, listen, I, I, I don't want to get too serious here. I know that rights in America are under attack as people seek to remove information available in libraries to students of all ages. But my understanding is that uh, an erotic hockey themed uh, novel from Amazon is sex ed in Canada. So I think that potentially, like, we need to yeah, preserve that does play. count that, that that does that is canonically a uh, <laughs> counts as sex ed yes the trudeau administration the first one obviously uh in- the first that policy yeah. exactly yes um but um i mean look yeah. he was a pretty he was a pretty progressive guy if you ever read about his uh his ex-wife and, <laughs> and her exploits can I, I like I, I'm very interested in like hearing stories of Canadian history that are amazing. There was a recent one all about like Canadian hydropower that came out um, that I devoured. That was like, this is a fascinating story because like, you know, Michael, uh, my fiance's like favorite thing is like the like whenever you go to a comedy show in a different town and they try to tell like the local jokes and you like kind of get a glimpse into their world and what they find funny inherently by like how they open to warm up the crowd. Um, and I just like that all the time. Um, and so like every, every following hockey has given me a, a bevy of new opportunities to receive that. So. And Canada has produced a tremendous number of uh, comedians over the years. I would say it's in the it's it's got to be in the running, if not the clear leader for like funniest country. So I tried for my book to there was a, a, a thing to I quantify. was going to do. I tried to figure out, I think it was either like, what's the most Canadian show ever made or like figure out like, what's the most Canadian film. And I like scraped IMDb and I got the nationalities for everybody. And I basically counted up, you know, which, which films and television shows were like secretly Canadian. Cause like one of my favorite shows growing up was Battlestar Galactica, the reimagined series, which was just shot in Canada. And as a result was just lousy with Canadians. But, um, I like, you know, I think I just hit like a minor speed bump with it. And I was like, I hey, fuck it. I'm not interested in this anymore. And so, but like, I have the data somewhere. I'll figure it out one day. If there's, if there's any interest in folks in, in learning, uh, you know, what, what the most Canadian piece of American entertainment actually is. <laughs> I, I think, I, I, you know, honestly, if, if, if there is a venue, uh, to put that out into the world, it's probably this podcast because it, it probably is, uh, is, you know, we, yep. we are big fans of Canada. We've, you know, talk about their, their national sport slash obsession all the time. 
And we shit on the Maple Leafs, which is like a rite of passage, I think, for all Canadians. I think it's important. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. yeah. You know, you're right. In between our almost done, just being polished, 99 part Wayne Gretzky series, uh, we will publish this, this, this work when I kind of get around to it. (laughs) And Gretzky has, has made a number of appearances in different, you know, shows like he hosted SNL, uh, which went just about as uh, charismatically as you could expect. Uh, politely, uh, as you could expect, maybe. I mean, listen, with um, it's always a gamble. Am I right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and he's gotten a lot better on that. Now now he at least has uh, channeled his inner Barkley a little bit for the TNT uh, studio. But uh, yeah, so I, I think that that's a good plan for us uh, at some point during the off season. And we will... We've been promising it, but we will do some Gretzky Gretzkyology. I think that's what we should call yeah, it. Gretzkyology. I think that's good. Again, like now that I'm I'm producing a podcast for us, um, I, I like uh, another podcast. I, I will be happy to, to to do another production. Um, it'll be very fun. But um, yeah, speaking of which, you should check out Pod Racing. It's available wherever podcasts are found. It, it stars Tyler Olada and Neil Payne uh, talking about. Uh, you know, basically hockey on wheels and, uh, you know, I'm at numlock and everywhere and et cetera, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, and Neil, we're going to be, now? you know, in that, in that pod racing, we're going to yeah. be on episode, uh, four. And so that is actually going to start the, if we know anything about the other, uh, originator of pod racing, that's going to start the, what I call the good segment of episodes. Mm. So yeah, there might I mean, be a new hope for this for this series. <laughs> yeah, I'll weirdly, stop. I'll stop with the Star Wars. Reference. Weirdly, we recorded episode four like you know a year ago, and we've just held it. I was going to say thirty that. years earlier. <laughs> thirty years ago. <laughs> it's literally but we just now, like a- we finally had the technology to uh, <laughs> make a particular uh, hated character in the <laughs> early episodes, which by which I mean Ross Chastain. Of course, Ross Chastain. Um, man, hockey names and NASCAR names are not that different. I don't know how to, I don't know how to articulate that, but I think that, you know, a good hockey name, uh, and a good NASCAR name, there's a little overlap there that intrigues me. And I'm going to get to the bottom of that one of these days. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's just like white people stuff. Eh, what are you going to do? Bah. What can we do? 